Welcome to the Perimenopause Power Podcast. We are Lisa and Natalie, two certified holistic health coaches passionate about helping women embrace their physiology to elevate their highest potential for confidence, health and energy. Perimenopause will be unique to you and each episode gives you the power in knowing that you can define your own journey. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Perry Menopause Power. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Nat. I'm really excited about our guest today. Yes, and we're taking a little bit of a different approach, but very worthy mm-hmm. um, information and topic that we'll be talking. We have the wonderful Katrina Lacandro from Lip Timber. And Katrina is a strategic mind and marketing force behind the Lip Timber Foundation. She has a literal sense of humor and an enormous passion for women's mental health, alongside a global reputation for leading and executing all elements of the marketing mix. Katrina has a deep interest insight how to connect with people and create meaningful, authentic relationships with the Lip Temba community. Katrina is also the proud mum to a little boy and constantly strives to bring the real talk back into focus, encouraging everyone to be part of the conversation when it comes to mental health. Hello, Katrina. Hi. Hi, Natalie and Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. Can I just say after that intro, we're going to get along famously on this podcast today. <laughs> Yes, I think so. <laughs> I Speaking to, our language. Yes, yeah. most definitely. And I guess just to get started, could you tell us a little bit about Lip Timber? Yeah, I'd love to. So the Lip Timber Foundation is the trusted source and respected leader when it comes to women's mental health. Um, and each year um, we're undertaking gender-specific national research into women's mental health so that we can identify areas of need and direct funding to the most critical women's mental health programs, initiatives, support services and research. Um, and we basically exist to ensure that every woman can achieve their optimal mental health. Um, most people would know about us throughout the work that we do in the month of September, where we run our flagship Liptember fundraising campaign. Um, and that's just a campaign that encourages people to wear lipstick as a lighthearted and really fun way to raise awareness and, um, I guess, money for women's mental health Um yeah, throughout the month of September. And since 2010, we've raised $12 million. So we're really proud of that. We, um, we're striving to make sure that we can make the biggest impact possible in the women's mental health space in Australia. Can, can I just say how nice it is not to have to wear masks and be able to put my lippy on again? I, one thing I really missed, I, I'm a lippy girl and really miss putting my lipstick on through that time. So yeah no we're excited about it too um it was challenging in lockdowns but it's nice to be yeah able to you know pop it on again and you know there's always ways to do it with your masks on as well so we can talk about that (laughs) and that's definitely how i've come to know lip temper over the years actually and was introduced to the work that you do which was that yeah wearing your lipstick in the month of september and such a a great simple yet effective campaign to get women talking right and and connect too. I mean, we love talking about makeup and we love talking about different things when we see someone looking vibrant. It's really powerful. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what it's designed to be. Um, it is just supposed to be a little bit of fun when talking about mental health because mental health can sometimes be, you know, it's it's a more serious issue. It is. Um, and we're not trying to make fun of it or anything. We're trying to actually just shine a light on it, start a conversation. Something that's on your face is really easy to talk about. And people are like, why are you wearing colourful lipstick or blue lipstick? You know, it's about bright colours that spark conversations um, and you know that's really where it stemmed from but there is a really serious side to what we do and that is um, making sure that the funds raised go into research so that we can identify gaps that um, are affecting women and their mental health in a timely manner and we've yet yeah, recently launched some uh, great research um, a couple of months ago for 2022. Well, that leads me to my next question, actually. You obviously, it's significant research um, into supporting women's mental health, highlighting the fact that women can suffer from certain mental health conditions at a higher rates than men. Can you tell us a little bit more about this research and the basis behind it? Yeah, absolutely. So we're super excited about it because there was a massive gap when it came to um, research that was gender specific and focused um, when it came to mental health in Australia. And so we basically made sure that we uh, developed uh, a research study that included the biological life stage and socioeconomic, political, cultural factors um, associated with being female um, that can have a significant impact on women's mental health. And I guess what the support services necessary were to prevent mental illness and then increase the overall, overall well-being of women um, living with existing mental health conditions. So what we knew was previous ABS data from the um, Australian Bureau of Statistics, they highlighted that if you were a woman, um, you were 58% more likely to experience mental illness compared to men. And that was based on a study they did in 2021. And that was the most... 58%. Recent. That's that's yeah. huge, isn't it? 58%. Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? And so we knew that. But before that study came out, there was nothing for about 10 years. Mm. Um, and even then, it wasn't gender specific. It was based around um, just a really top level insight. And it had men and women and just everyone. And there was nothing that really um, dived a little bit deeper to, to try and understand the triggers that were involved. So we decided, okay, well, what we didn't know was what were the insights that came to um, uh, mental health and mental illness by gender and what is affecting women? Because that's what we're all about. So, yeah, so we undertook this research um, and found that there are a range of factors that can lead to um, a woman experiencing poor mental health biological factors like menstruation, menopause, pregnancy, birth, as well as certain health conditions such as um, miscarriage or endometriosis and polycystic ovary syndrome. These are unique to women um, and those who um, have a uterus. Um, and that is, you know, something that presents very significant mental health challenges for women who are experiencing those those types of um, health conditions or um, biological things um, that happen to them in their life through their life stages. Mm, yeah, so powerful. And we've actually just connected with a Melbourne professor, Cassandra Soek, and she wrote the book Women's Healthy Aging. And it was really enlightening to read her book around the history into women's health and the fact that many times women's health or women's bodies were not even looked at, considered, no testing was done because we were just considered complicated. Too hard. Too hard. Well, we are, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, it's only recently that women has started, um, research has started, you know, specifically on women. It's for mm. so long that, you know, we've been 
you know, women have been working off, uh, you know, trying to better their health or things like that. Yeah. research has been done on men and you know yeah. like it just doesn't make sense mm, yeah. no and that's exactly right and um and that has been the case for for years and we're like you know something needs to be done about this so we we're like right okay this is our space we're going to do it and so the lip timber foundation we committed um to making sure that we can do this research year on year to find the gaps um in a timely manner because the end of the day it's all great doing this huge research study but if we didn't release it for you know a couple of years well what use is that to us so we've made sure that we've gotten um, research that can be um, delivered really quickly um, at the deepest level possible but still giving us the insights so that we can track year on year how are women going how are they feeling what um, impact are we making um, those types of things so um, so I think the outcomes of this research will be you know uh, like tailored support services that hopefully people can and charities and other health professionals can start to develop after they um, understand those unique factors and those triggers that are um, affecting women so that we can pave the way for female-centric methodologies and new approaches to mental illness um, illness prevention as well as diagnosis and, and treatment of support services and programs. Mm, such powerful work and, mm. and thank you for conducting that work it's just yeah it's incredible what was surprising to us in your research was that one in two women are experiencing mental ill health what did your research highlight as a contributor to this yeah so one in two hey so that's you know that's 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 at least one of us in this conversation yeah. right here so you know it's Surprising and then unsurprising um, because of the, the factors that we've all experienced in the last 12 months. Um, you know, one in two women are experiencing mental illness, um, but less than half of those are actually seeking support. So only 48% of women are seeking support, which is astounding as well. But I think a lot of the factors really come into the mental load. The mental load that women are experiencing, there's stresses in some of the, I guess, social norms that are expected of women and being caregivers great um, you know uh, great at their jobs good wives like trying to balance everything and i think that that's definitely come into play when it comes to the one in two statistic but you know there's also some some things that are maybe a little bit um not people still see it as taboo to talk about but issues such as you know, hormones and menopause and all those things that affect women negatively sometimes, but they just don't feel like they can talk about. And so internally they are struggling. So I think it's important for us to go, right, this is a pretty big statistic. Now, how do we change this? Um, because one in two, like we want it to be zero, right? We want no one to be experiencing um, mental illness. And we understand that we've got a long way to go <laughs> to get there. Mm -hmm. um, but it's about breaking down those barriers and a lot of the women who are reporting that they are suffering mental illness at the moment are experiencing barriers to seeking help when you know less than half of them are actually seeking help and our research showed that um one of the biggest reasons was just not realizing that it was important to get it addressed before it snowballed you know thinking they can manage it themselves because they're like i've got so much else going on um you know, like a, not taking that that time to really focus on themselves and their self-care mm -hmm. um, and going, right, I, I think I do actually need to get some support. Um, but also that there's cost. There's costs involved with seeking help at the moment and that's something that, you know, um, can really limit a lot of people. 
Um, but there are some great free resources too that mm -hmm. just don't get enough airtime and people don't mm -hmm. know about it. So it's about how do we make those more readily accessible for people mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, you know, it's it's so we all know about this, uh, you know, inability to prioritise that self-care. We, we, you know, it, it shines through with every conversation we have with every female, every podcast that we do, we're aware of it, but we're not making the time for it. So yeah. it, it, it just begs to, you beg to understand why is it that we're not doing it? And I know that we've got all those other things there, but, um, you know, that, that are placed in front of us that the caring factor takes mm. precedence over. Yeah. It's just so sad that women don't feel like they can take the time out to do that self-care. And we actually do this um, exercise with women that we coach where we take them through an Excel spreadsheet and we say, okay, let's let's put down what, what you've got, you know, they'll say, I don't have time to look after myself or to yeah. seek you know, help for mental health or whatever. And you actually look at it and they go, oh, I actually do have time, but we're so busy and so caught up in all the work that we're doing, the self-care still doesn't come to the front. It's really sad. Yeah. And look, you know, I think we've all got an element of um, of that. Like I struggle with it too, making the time. And I'm, I'm in this field, right? Mm. <laughs> and, mm. you know, I even struggle with it too because there's so many competing priorities. But I think what I've learned to realise is that if you don't get onto things early when you do have, a, you know, a snippet of time to actually go, right, I need to handle this, it can actually snowball into something so big that it take that it will swallow you whole, and yeah. um, you know, and that's a lot more time if you don't try and focus on it early um, mm -hmm. to try and nip it in the bud. So, you know, I think that's just something that inherently women women do. It's mm. you know, yeah, I, I don't know how we solve that, <laughs> but um, but I think it's just you know bringing more awareness to the fact that you know, it is important to take care of you as well because you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm. I mean, that's one of my favourite sayings, you can't pour from an empty cup. Because... Yeah, I told you we are going to get around all well because uh, Natalie's a big proponent of that, aren't you, Nat? Mm. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, very true. And it's also, you know, I think what we lack, and, and you spoke about it uh, in the beginning, around those societal perceptions, mm. there is that societal expectation and perception around what, healthy looks like, what exercise looks like, you know, should be on this diet, should be doing this, but it's always about coming back to you and what does healthy and your well-being look like to you and then how do you populate your days and your life with the things that you want to do that that fill your cup mm. and you know even you know the whole basis of our podcast here as well is is creating that education because there is a gap particularly around perimenopause and menopause there's real gap in education so again when you're seeking information it doesn't have to be in those traditional forms of mm. seeing seeing a doctor or having to pay for this specialist or or this expert but actually where can I find credible information and and learn and and develop my internal toolkit I talk a lot about an internal toolkit build that education for myself so that I can then you know hear and we talk about hearing and feeling the whispers in the body when things are changing and you know using your gut and intuition to to tap into that so yeah, it's um yeah, it's a, it's an interesting conversation and and one that we can have time and time again. What was interesting again and and look not surprising, stress was a huge comp contributor to um women's mental health at every stage of life for women. So right through from 20s right through to 
60s, 70s. Yeah, it was it yeah. was incredible. And, you know, we talk a lot about stress and the impact that stress has on women as they come into perimenopause. What did you see um, as some of the things that contributed to high incidence of stress across, you know, women's entire lives? Yeah, so I guess what our research found was that 69% of Australian women across all ages and demographics are experiencing stress um, at the moment. And, you know, that's a high number. And I know that everyone's level of stress is different. And so this is a self um, uh, reported study. So it's when if a person felt stress at the time, um, or under certain certain stresses, they selected this as an option. So the triggers that they associated with that stress, um, the number one was actually financial struggles over the, uh, the entire um, demographic breakdown, financial struggles. So that was 43% of people said that that was their main um, trigger for stress. Um, and then also the second the second highest was being too hard on themselves. Oh. Um, so I just found that in- astonishing because it goes back to, again, that, you know, that self-reflective piece. It's like, well, they think they should be able to do it all and they can't. So that was why they were stressed. Um And then the third one being low self-esteem and confidence. So 24% of people noted that um, they had low self-esteem, low levels of self-confidence, and that was what led to them being stressed in in a whole lot of areas, whether it be at work, um, in the family or in the home. Um, And I I guess poor work-life balance definitely came into that as well. Um, so they were the most common um, triggers for stress um, across all age groups. Um, but what we found is that um, traditionally stress was actually something that was more prevalent in age 40 and above, just from previous research that was done. What we found in our study that it was actually women under 29 who were facing significantly higher levels of stress compared to any other age bracket. Mm. Um, which was really interesting. Um, you know, they've got a lot going on at that age group. Um, and I think COVID hasn't helped um, in the last 12 months. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just uncovering all the bits and pieces that are like, okay, well, if this is a trigger, how do we actually, how do we put funding where it needs to go so that we can try and limit this? Because stress is a major or the number one mental health issue it means that if people are stressed, they're more likely to experience mental illness because of that stress. And so you kind of have to treat things at the source so that they don't turn into mental illness and severe mental illness down the track. Um, Yeah. So true. And and we talk a lot about that. I mean, you talk a lot about that from a nutrition perspective too. Women will come in and talk to us about their weight gain and wanting to shift their diets. And we, we then talk about stress. And they say, yes, my, my stress levels are through the roof. And and, mm. and and the mindset associated with that, it's just, you know, they've got, yes, I'm stressed, but I just want to lose the weight to so tell me how to do it. Well, you've got yeah. to change your mindset around it because you just keep jumping on and off a, you know, that merry-go-round and there's no long-term changes there that you're doing. So you're just going to constantly, you know, keep feeling the same way. And as you say, you know, it gets deeper and deeper. So it's um, it's really sad, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's interesting that you say that, um, some of the weight loss stuff because, um, you know, second to stress being the number one was anxiety and anxiety-related disorders at 44%. But thirdly was body image issues. That mm-hmm. was the, the 38% of women, all women, um, are experiencing body image issues, which is causing their mental illness. And I... Yeah. I 
Yeah, again, that that one actually surprised me, um, especially because it impacted all age groups, not just the younger demographics. Yeah, it's it's look, we see a huge amount of it in the work that we do, and uh, for strangely enough, the way the body shape changes in menopause is it has a protective element about it. But you actually, when you actually explain that to women, it's like oh, so I understand why it is that my body shape is changing and it's just mm. mobilised and just saying, you know, your body's really clever. It's actually doing these things to protect you. Yes, there's ways around it, but, you know, what serves you well now may not, you know, it's not the same as what served you well in, in previous years. It, there, there is a definite change there. Um, but, again, it's all about that education and not having that education adds to the stress and the mental load as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this year alone, how much have we seen women come in and actually use the words, I just don't have enough self-love, I mm. just don't have enough self-worth, mm. I don't feel like I'm deserving of, you know, looking after myself yep. or giving myself that love. And, you know, it, it crushes our really hearts sad. to, hear, to mm. hear that. But then it also, you know, obviously inspires us to give that education and that support and, and take them through the work that we do but it's it's common and I think what as you touched on we've seen the last two years definitely has culminated into higher levels of stress higher levels of self-esteem you know low confidence yeah. etc and and now it's like we're trying to scramble and get all of that back now and you know this is possibly the result so yeah it's um you know I think it, a lot of the people that you're probably seeing are really reflective of the statistics that we found um and you know real people with real mm. real issues like you know yeah. real life issues and conditions that are affecting their lives in a in a negative way and we need to get on top of that and solve it mm. yeah and I think there's an element with women that um you you don't necessarily accept that it can become a problem because we seem to you know, we, we have this uh, ability to think that we're always in control. So we don't necessarily mm. acknowledge that it's a problem before it's too late. So we just, oh, I can control that. Like, you know, I, I yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, I can see it's a problem. I'm going to, I'm going to fix it. And, you know, it's just all those um, phrases that you put onto yourself that you think that you've got to live up to. And it's okay to put up your hand and say, you know what, I'm actually not coping. And this is the help, you know, where do I find the help or what help do I need? Yeah, exactly. So we obviously talk about menstruation and menopause, as we've hinted on throughout this whole um, session here today on the podcast. And we love that this was an area in the research that you covered. The theme of shame and judgment when it came to menstruation and menopause came through. How do you see your research shifting the mindset around these phases of life for women? So, yeah, really interesting. And it was really important to us to make sure that we included this because it was a very um, uh, important issue that is biologically um, there for women. Like women experience this. Um, so we need to make sure that we're including it in our research. Um, I can talk to some of the stats um, that we found, but I guess to answer your question, the I guess we found that many women are still feeling a lot of shame when it comes to talking about um, mm. menstruation and menopause and typically taboo topics, infertility, uh, sexual harassment and addiction. And it's 
especially when it comes to menopause and menstruation, that happens to everyone, every woman. <laughs> so I feel like as 50% of the population, we need, we, we've got a long way to go when it comes to just normalizing these conversations. Mm. Um, but I think what was good and good about undertaking research like this is that people were very open with their responses. And um, so we got a lot of statistics out of it. And not um, we didn't get statistics on perimenopause, but we have it on um, people who are currently experiencing menopause. And out of uh, all of the women that were um, part of this study, 6% of the female population were currently experiencing menopause. And that is, um, and it was across a statistically relevant data set. So we can assume that 6% of the Australian women are currently going through this. Now, the women who were experiencing menopause and who were also experiencing mental illness, we could break that down. So we talked about stress and anxiety and body image issues being the top three um, mental health um, conditions that were or mental health issues that were affecting women. When it came to women who were going through menopause, the rates of those conditions issues were higher. So for instance, 82% mm -hmm. um, of women who were going through menopause were stressed. So compared to the 69% of the general population, 82% of women who were experiencing menopause were stressed. So, you know, they're experiencing a lot of different things in their life um, stage at that time that is obviously contributing to that, but menopause being one of uh, one of them. They were 50%, 50 of them were experiencing anxiety and anxiety-related disorders, and 46% of them were experiencing body image issues. And, you know, you guys are nodding at me. It sounds like you hear this every day, and it's like, well, yeah, but now we have the stats to back it up. We can say yeah. that this is, <laughs> this is a real issue. Um, and so pretty much across all of the mental health um, issues that we, that we uh, captured, menopausal women were experiencing higher rates of every single one of those issues. And that doesn't surprise me because with the change in hormones that, um, you know, we just, we, we hear about estrogen and progesterone being, our, you know, our sex hormones, but they have so many other um, jobs in our body. And one of them is also around our mental and emotional load. So mm. with those changing and decreasing at this time, it's going to make it even harder if they're not actively you know, whether it be lifestyle or, or you know, medicalization of it, not actively uh, using that to be able to help them with those symptoms or those feelings that they're experiencing. So, yeah, that does, uh, it blows me away, but it doesn't blow me away either in the same breath. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like this research itself isn't going to, you know, shift the mindset of women overnight, but as a foundation, I guess our efforts will be to implement and increase awareness campaigns um, around these traditionally taboo topics so that we can destigmatize talking about mental illness um, and seeking support when it comes to experiencing other uh, other uh, triggers that are related to being female that actually impact heavily on your mental health. And that's powerful. I mean, if we could do campaigns around it like we do, you know, so many others and just bring it to light, because let's face it, the media has a big role to play, whether it be positive or negative, around what women are seeing and how they're feeling and, you know, what their judgment's like and all those things that they put upon themselves. Mm. So if you're using that for campaigns for the good to bring it to, you know, highlight it, highlighting it to them, I think that's a, a huge way to go. Mm. It is. And it also supports 
businesses like us and women like us, we're trying to really create change in the workplace mm. around menstruation and menopause in the workplace. And to have that research and that evidence and those statistics to say, listen, your menopausal women are, you know, 82% of them are, are experiencing higher levels of stress you are possibly losing these women in the workplace. They're not going for promotions as you want them to, or they're de-promoting themselves. What are you doing? What are your health and wellbeing initiatives to actually support these women? And not just women, of course, it's the men as well. But, you know, when we talk a lot about female representation and gender equality, you know, let's really get to the root cause of what is our women are experiencing and how do we now support them and it's alarming you know we've had many conversations with businesses and they don't want to shine a light on the the negative impacts of menopause to highlight you know fatigue and productivity loss etc but it's only through this information that we can actually highlight it and then say okay now how do we use it yeah how, yeah how do we shift mindsets how do we now create it and make it for good for yeah. not just women but wider economies and society as well yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. right and i think that's why it's important that we made this research open source we're like there's no point having this research and keeping it to ourselves we made it publicly available for anybody and everybody to download we, we want people and medical professionals and people in workplaces to go oh okay I this is this is half of my workforce or you know how am I how am I going to start um, implementing programs um, so that I can help these women um, you know so I think that that's really important because it shifts conversations and it starts to you know without having these statistics in front of us how do we create change mm. if you don't if you don't know about it and you can't report on it how are you supposed to do something about it and then actually know that you're making a positive impact so yeah we have these stats now. Let's use it. Absolutely, and I, and I always think about it. You know, when uh, when employees go into work, and you know, God forbid, they've been diagnosed with some something that's you know sees them needing to do their work differently. In court, it, workplaces are very quick to be able to okay, how can we support you so that you can do your work differently, you still be able to work with us? What does that look like? It's no different for um, menopause either and, and menstruation for that for, for that matter as well. So for some reason, we just put in a different bucket that seems a little bit too hard. So this podcast is all about power and finding and nurturing and using our personal power as we transition through life and such phases as perimenopause and beyond. We'd love to hear from you, Katrina. What does coming into your own power mean to you? Um, I had to think a, a little bit about this one. I think for me, it's it's about embracing the next stage, I think, and 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 just going, okay, whatever will be, will be. It's the next season in life, um, and trying to ad adopt that mindset throughout throughout my life and how I go about doing things in day in my day to day. So I think that's how I'm going to to try and um, define my journey when it comes um, when it comes my my way. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, beautifully said, because we do, we try and resist it and we try and want to ignore it. And particularly as we're getting older too, we don't want to, you know, there's so much negative connotation about perimenopause and menopause, but it is, it's embracing the phase that you're in and, and being okay with that too goes a, a very long way. Yeah. And I think, you know, I have some really positive role models in my life and my mother and I, we, we chat openly about that stuff as well. So, you know, I feel like I'm probably at a, a little bit of an advantage there that, you know, that it's not something that's highly stigmatized in my life. So I feel like I'm much better prepared for when it does um, eventually come around. Yeah. So good. We love that. <laughs> 
Thank you so much. We have loved having you on and chatting on our podcast and, and in particular doing the work that you're doing at LipTember and, and offering this research and making it readily available to people like us who mm. have, have big missions as well. So can you just let our listeners know where they can connect with you and also LipTember and anything that you've got coming up? Yeah, absolutely. So um, look, if any of your listeners want to download the research for themselves, it's a pretty hefty document, but please um, go to our website, liptemberfoundation.org.au, and you can download it there. And you can also see all the impact programs that we're running um, and what we do with the funds that we raise in September with the Liptember campaign. And by the time this show comes to air, we'll be in September. Uh, and so I would encourage all your listeners, if they were interested in supporting women's mental health, please um, jump on board, pop some bright lippy on um, and spread awareness about women's mental health and maybe consider signing up as a fundraiser on our website, um, liptember.com.au. So, um, yeah, that we would love for anybody to get involved, just start those conversations, break down those stigmas um, and just be part of the conversation. I've got the perfect lipstick I'm wearing through September already in my head. Oh, what colour? <laughs> it's a bright coral pink. It's awesome. Oh, I love I'm I'm a massive fan of the bright, mm. real poppy colours. Like a flamingo pink's my go-to. Like yeah, lovely. Love yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> love it. And I need to go and get some bright one. I don't have any bright. That's right, Nan, I'll come shopping with you. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Yeah, well, we've got plenty. We've got, um, if you want a Liptember lipstick, like we do colours like blue and green and Fabulous. purple, like really out there neon colours. <laughs> love it. I'll check it out for sure. <laughs> thanks yeah, again, Katrina. We loved our chat. You know, well, thanks so much for having me and for, yeah, just having this great open conversation about women's mental health. Thank you so much. Thanks again for sharing your time with us, learning how you can be your best energetic self no matter what life stage you are going through. Be sure to contact us if any of this content resonates with you. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any of our future episodes. See you next time.